There's a lot of great marketing advice out there and it can be very confusing. But for me, marketing has always been pretty simple. Marketing is about finding people with a need and getting them to trust you. As such, your job is to get the right information to the right people at the right time. Hi, I'm Daniel Oyston, host of the show, but I'm also a marketing consultant at Content Grasshopper and you're listening to the PBCN podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Marketing is such an important part of a business, yet increasingly marketing is becoming more and more fragmented with so many different tactics to consider. And all the while, people's attention is at more of a premium than ever. A lot of people simplify marketing as the stuff that we can see, the really visual things, the ads, the social media, the videos, etc. Others think it's so complex and scary that they just don't know where to start, maybe then don't engage with it properly at all. However, marketing at its core is about finding people with a need and getting them to trust you. And I personally, I love that definition of marketing because it encompasses so much of what we need to do. As a business owner, your job then, considering that definition of marketing, is to get the right information to the right people at the right time. If you're a regular listener of the show, you'll know that what I would normally be doing now is introducing a guest and that the rest of the show would be hearing from them. However, this time around, you're stuck with me for the entire show. And that's because the Guild kindly asked me to put together a show with some practical marketing advice for you. So that's what I've gone and done. In this show, I'm going to give you 11 pieces of marketing advice that I usually charge clients for. So I better introduce myself a little. While my voice may be familiar to you, you probably don't know what I do when I'm not hosting this podcast. Well, my name is Daniel Oyston, and I have over 20 years experience in marketing, mainly working in small and medium businesses, and then also consulting to small and medium businesses, which I do now through my consultancy, Content Grasshopper. I was also the co-founder of Sponserve, the world's first cloud-based sponsorship management software, which grew to an international business before being sold and which won many industry awards along the way. Recently, I've developed Marketing Builder, a unique card-based process for businesses to use to build lean marketing plans that they are fully engaged with. I also have a Master of Marketing and I often teach at university across business management, marketing, digital marketing, and services marketing. But enough about me, that set the scene plenty for you. Let's focus on giving you some great advice to help your marketing. Here are 11 pieces of marketing advice that I usually charge clients for. Number one, the 411 social media rule. This is important to get the balance of your posts correct. There aren't many businesses who shouldn't be on social media. I mean, the platforms are so big that it's hard to mount an argument that your target audience isn't on social media, at least in some part, and isn't hanging out there and engaging. There is a reason, however, that it's called social media. And that means that it can't purely be another advertising channel for you unless you just want to run ads on the, on the advertising platform. If you want to use the organic features, which are cheaper, but actually take more time and energy, effort and resources, then you need to get the balance of your posts right. The 411 social media rule recommends that 
for every four non-sales posts, you've earned the right to post one soft sales post and then one pure hard pushy sales post. So four one one. The idea behind this is that you are taking a customer first focused approach where you're providing content that is either educational or helpful, or maybe it's entertaining. Think behind the scenes pictures or videos of your staff and your business, inspirational quotes, community information, staff profiles, maybe asking questions or running polls, or even sharing other people's content. That's four posts. You need to do four of those. Then after those, you've essentially earned the right to ask for something, a sales post, but it needs to be soft. Think things like, sharing a photo from maybe delivering a professional service for somebody that you've got permission to share their photo from because that's implying that you're offering this service but you're not directly or overtly saying hey look we offer these services click here it might just be a message along the lines of we love being able to do xyz service for customers that come into our shop or it might be some photos from a workshop or or a seminar health seminar that you're running for people and it's just a group shot and say it was great to have everybody in the shop and learning about xyz topic then comes your hard sales post think a direct call to action to buy almost like an ad but it's a social media post if you don't get the balance right you'll probably do your brand more harm than good remember a brand is what people perceive it to be not what you tell them it is if all you do is post sales messages, people will perceive your brand as only caring about itself. And that doesn't sound very social. Number two, sell through other people. Unite to make you all stronger as a collective. As a small business, it can be tough to get in front of your target audience. If it isn't the time needed to create the marketing and execute it, then it's the budget needed to make any headway whatsoever in a really crowded market that's on top of actually running and working in your business and it can all get a bit too much the thing is you're not alone there are many businesses just like you out there and they are talking and engaging with the exact same people in the community that you want to talk to and i'm not talking about other pharmacies i'm talking about other businesses that's why working in a cooperative manner with those businesses can very quickly get your brand in front of a lot of people very cheaply. As a pharmacy, you're focused on the health of your patients and you may or may not offer a range of services outside of Scripps, so those professional services and the retail that you have in the store. However, health isn't just about the things you talk about. Health is about nutrition and exercise, relationships, mental health. It's such a wide topic. They are all important aspects of your patient's health. And some of those things would be keeping your already engaged patients up at night. And there are other businesses focusing specifically on those areas. They're experts in those areas. It's what their niche is, who are also trying to figure out how to get in front of your patients. So why not band together? Why not create a little group that creates regular health advice content and events and openly works together? You could get together and plan content for years and then deliver it through blogs and ebooks, white papers, videos, podcasts, social media. I mean, the list goes on. Then you can extend it out to some regular events that you run together where you all invite your patients and customers, like seminars and information sessions. If you have a database of, let's say, two and a half thousand people and you work with four other businesses in that space that Let's say they have the same size database, so 2,500 each 
as well, then all of a sudden you combine that, your brand and expertise is very, very quickly and cheaply in front of 10,000 more people who are in your direct target audience. Plus, if you're all adding people to your database in a regular manner at a similar rate, then your brand exposure through email and content to new people, instead of just adding by or growing by one each time you add somebody to your database, if everybody's adding one, then it grows by 400% more compared to you just adding a single person into your database. There's also the obvious relationships that you build and the referrals that will come from it all and the referrals that you can give. So the question for you is, who else does your ideal target audience interact with regularly? Number three, focus on building your database. When you build a database, people are literally giving you permission to market to them, but it's your job to treat that with the absolute respect that it deserves. Your database should be at the center point or the axis of all your marketing efforts. At the top, you should be executing tactics that help engage your audience and then convert them onto your database. And then from there, they are literally giving you permission to market to them. As I said, your utmost job, however, is to treat that permission with respect, not least because they'll just unsubscribe if you only try and sell to them. The only things that you send them in the email are sales messages that help you. If you manage your database properly, you can provide valuable content that focuses on marketing through teaching and demonstrates your expertise as a professional. That will build trust with your audience. And when they are ready to buy, they'll be more receptive to those specific sales messages because you haven't abused their permission along the way. The reason that building your database is so important is because it gives you the ability to contact your audience directly and usually more cheaply because they provide their email, maybe their mobile number, and probably their postal address. Any other channel like social media, TV, radio, etc., you are simply renting an audience because just because somebody hears your ad on the radio, you can't contact them directly. You have no ownership of that engagement. So two great ways to build your database are you can gate valuable content. So that's all about creating something really valuable and putting it on your website that your target audience is willing to provide their contact details for in exchange for the content. So it might be a great guide or ebook or, or something like that that they have to fill out a form and give their name, their email address, their phone number, and their postal address. Or you can run competitions. So offer some great giveaways where people have to provide their information in the entry form in order to enter the competition. I also assume that you're adding everybody you do business with into your database and that you're directly asking them to go on there. Your database, it's truly a massively powerful tool that is full of your target audience who have given you permission to speak to them. Use it wisely. Number four, build customer relationships through that email marketing. Email is often a forgotten marketing tactic, yet it is so powerful. And if you follow that previous advice, you're going to have a really strong, great database that you can actually then leverage with some great email marketing. Email marketing is one of the most effective strategies to stay in touch with customers. As it turns out, Email marketing is much more popular than you probably thought. According to a report from Email Monday in 2019, 83% of people prefer email as one of the channels to receive promotions from brands they trust. Now, that's great news for you. Your customers prefer that as a means of communication. Cool. 
but it still needs to be effective for you, the business, right? Well, here's some stats to underline the power of email. The return on investment for email is $44 for every $1 spent on average, and 92% of adults use email. And email is 40 times more effective than social media in acquiring new customers. That's why the previous piece of advice I covered off was all about building your database because clearly the bigger it is, the more powerful it's gonna be for your business. Once you have someone on your database, you continue to build a relationship with them through purposeful campaigns. This way your business stays top of mind and in their list of possible suppliers or better still, you simply become their go-to pharmacy. Now, there are a variety of email campaigns you can run and they might include things like welcome emails for when somebody first comes onto your database. It might just be some of that educational content that you create on a regular basis. It might be emails offering discounts and specials that you have running for the month. Maybe you're adding some new products into the pharmacy, or maybe you want to re-engage with some customers who haven't been in the store for a little while. Now, email campaigns can help you improve brand recall and trigger purchase decisions to save time and effort, it's a good idea to automate your email campaigns. So using things like drip marketing campaigns, for example, now most good email marketing tools allow you to segment your email list. So it might be males, females, families, might be by suburb, might be by what they buy from you. And then you can run triggered campaigns based on specific events that happen in those target audiences. For example, just a really simple example, Suppose you want to send an automated email campaign to anybody new who gets added to your database. Let's say an event occurs, which is the trigger. In this case, it's someone being added to the database. And the action that happens is, an, is that a welcome email gets sent out. Now, in that welcome email, you have the scope to communicate lots of things. But my advice would be to keep it benefit focused, not feature focused. I'd also add in some kind of incentive to visit the pharmacy again soon, maybe a discount voucher or a code on a certain product that expires in a month. To give you an idea of how emails are received and engaged with, MailChimp offers publicly available benchmarks. These aren't only great for knowing what to expect, but as the word benchmark implies, they're great for seeing how you're performing against others in your industry and whether you're killing it or, or you need to improve. Now, MailChimp is my favorite and preferred email campaign provider, but I'm not affiliated with them. There's no kickbacks or commissions. I'm not an ambassador, but there are loads of great email campaign providers out there for you to choose from. So the benchmarks for the medical, dental, and healthcare industries are an average email open rate of 21.72% and an average click-through rate of 2.49%. So Let's say you have 3,000 people on your database. That means every time you email, 652 people will open and read the email. That's very, very good. Number five, don't discount hard copy mail. Great content gets kept. Well, I've just spoken about email. You shouldn't discount hard copy mail. I know everything is so digital now, but every marketing strategy and tactic really does need to be considered in the context of the business and the target market. Just because everyone is on social media doesn't mean you should be as well. Although, as I said at the top of the show, it's pretty hard to come up with an argument for not being on social media. But you shouldn't just follow some of these digital tactics just blindly. If you're creating some great content in those digital forms like videos or blogs and you're getting them out on the email and they live on your website, then that content could be repurposed into a hard copy newsletter, i.e. 
you could get the video very cheaply transcribed so that you can turn it into articles that could be included in a hard copy newsletter. The absolute key here is valuable content because the content isn't great, amazing in fact, then you're just wasting your time. More importantly, you're wasting your customers and your patients' time. But you could produce a short newsletter that focuses on lots of the ideas I've already given you. That could be posted out to your patients and if you get the content right, those patients will keep that newsletter. What do I mean by that? Well, if the content has wide appeal to everybody in the household, then that newsletter will probably sit on the kitchen bench or the dining table for a week or so, maybe even longer. And all the while, people are picking it up and flicking through it multiple times, maybe while they're eating their breakfast or having a coffee or waiting for the kids to put their shoes on and brush their teeth before we go to school. And your brand is front and center on that table. But best of all, content marketing is a great opportunity to market through teaching. Teach people things that they want or they need to know and educate them and you become a trusted source of information. Then your brand stays top of mind and you become the go-to pharmacy of choice. Besides, think about it. How much great hard copy mail do you actually get these days? I'm guessing none. So while everyone else is focusing digital, there may be an uncrowded space for you to dominate. Number six, Google reviews. They are often the first piece of quality indicative information a new patient will see about you. Reviews, they've always been important, but in today's digital marketplace where people don't need you to solicit and share reviews from happy customers, embracing reviews is more important than ever. Google reviews, those stars you see next to the business listings in the Google results, definitely influence potential patients. You can tell me you are a great pharmacy and I might believe you. However, if an unbiased third party tells me that you're a great pharmacy, I'm much more inclined to believe it. Now, a recent study nominates reviews as the most powerful purchase influence. Another study found that 88% of consumers consult reviews before making a purchase and another indicated that 63% of people are more likely to make a purchase from a site that has customer reviews, which is important because there are plugins you can use on your website to display the Google reviews that people are leaving. You might be thinking, oh, look, I know we're not perfect and, and we make mistakes, but I don't want people leaving bad reviews because we weren't great on a Tuesday afternoon one time. And it's a pretty common fear. I, I, I get it. However, the odd bad review is not necessarily a bad thing overall. Besides, what are you going to do to stop bad Google reviews on your Google business listing anyway? You can't. The onus is squarely on you to do better. However, actively replying to bad reviews and being seen publicly to do that and looking to resolve a situation and look after patients really does illustrate to any new potential patients that you really do care about all your patients and the business and doing things well. Besides, when we see all perfect reviews, all five stars around a business or a product, we smell something's fishy, right? A study actually found that bad reviews bringing your, your reviews down below five can actually increase conversions by 67%. So we're not actually trying to aim for perfection. Google reviews are also important for your search engine optimization. You see, Google must continue to deliver local and relevant search results to users. They have to stay as the place people go when they want information. Otherwise, people would just stop using it. To help them, they want to know how your business is perceived by patients and the wider community. They even say as much because in their tour illustrating the features of Google Maps, it literally says verbatim, the highest rated businesses 
near you will be returned when you search with local terms. And they display these results and reviews prominently. I mean, the stars stick out on the page. Those big gold stars, they definitely stick out. That's why the quality and quantity of Google reviews is so important. When someone searches for a pharmacy in their area, they'll scan the page and see those star reviews. And a pharmacy with 60 reviews and an average of four and a half stars is going to be so much more attractive than one with eight reviews, irrespective of whether the average star rating is comparable. The first thing they think when they see those stars, those 60 stars that average four and a half is, wow, so many people are keen to share their great experience with this pharmacy by going out of their way to review it. They must be good. Plus, Google reviews are important for goods and services when a layperson really can't tell the difference between one pharmacy and another. A lot of people kind of think that you all offer the same things and the same services. So you should be actively encouraging your patients to leave Google reviews for your business. But a word of warning, never pay for reviews. And I don't just mean money, that includes offering discounts or giveaways or other incentives in exchange for a review. That's because it's against Google's terms of service. And if they find out, they'll hurt your Google ranking badly. Number seven, sell benefits, not features. People are concerned about the outcome. I get it. You've got a product or a service that you're super proud of. You should be. That's nice. But no one else really cares that much. I'm sorry. What do they care about? Well, they care about the benefits and the outcomes that you provide. Without getting too marketing nerdy on you, the customer should sit at the heart of everything you do. And your offerings should be a direct response to your customer's needs, wants, and problems. And those needs, wants, and problems are what your marketing should focus on, not the products that actually meet those need, wants, or problems. At a minimum, if you're talking about those and your competitors aren't, then your target audience will get the feeling that you get them, you understand them, you're focused on them. The other thing is that you live and breathe your business and industry every day and probably most of the night. You care deeply about it and you know it back to front. Don't fall into the trap of going so quickly that you forget that a layperson might not understand all of the jargon and processes and nuances and, and ways of doing things in the pharmacy industry. Don't assume. Take your time and be specific about what you're trying to say. For example, and let, let's use a non-pharmacy example just to sort of give us a, a bit of a refresh and, and a different focus. Let, let's say you're the largest shopping center in the area. That's, that's a feature. Cool. So what? You know, as the shopping center owner, why that is important on multiple levels, but does your target audience? Maybe, maybe not. Don't assume. Spell it out for them. Now, that doesn't mean you can't talk about features. Just be sure to include the benefits as well. So instead of simply saying, we're the largest shopping center in the area, all you have to do is add, which means, and then explain the benefits. So we are the largest shopping center in the area, which means you can get all your shopping done in one place with ample parking, et cetera, et cetera. On this point, website content is especially bad on most websites. It is riddled with feature-focused copy. So if you've got a website, I assume you do, review yours and make sure that the benefits for all those things you're speaking about are specifically outlined so that a layperson can understand how it's going to help them. Number eight repurpose your content, make it live in many different forms. Now, creating valuable content for your target audience can seem like a daunting task on top of everything else you have to do in your business. A lot of people think 
of a topic, create a piece of content, and then just get it out there and then kind of move on. One topic and a single piece of content can actually be repurposed into many different pieces of content. Just like some people learn in different ways, some people prefer to consume content in different ways. So some like to read content while others will prefer to watch a video and some like to listen to content just like this podcast while they're doing other things like walking the dog or riding their bike. Let's take a blog for example. You've spent some time writing a great blog and it's now live on your website and you've sent it out to your database via email and you've put a post up on social media. That's not bad, but you can get much more leverage and, and mileage out of that piece. Make a video talking through the blog. Strip the audio and put it in a podcast. Create a slide deck of the main points with some amazing photos and really large text. Export those slides as single images and post them on social media and, and link back to the blog that's on your site. Combine the audio snippets with images and, and post short videos on social media and link to the blog back on your site. Add the blog as a chapter to an ebook you're compiling. Run a webinar with an interactive Q&A session on the topic and other recent blogs. Start a discussion around the topic on social media with something like a poll or a direct question. This approach is especially powerful if your topics are evergreen, which in the pharmacy industry, a lot of the topics are evergreen, i.e. they are always relevant because you can then just load up your social media scheduling account and the content just keeps getting posted and recycled and it gives the impression that you're creating lots of content when maybe you actually created that piece a couple of years ago. Number nine, think outside your niche and be relevant more often. We all know that we need to tightly define our target audience and there is a lot of business advice out there that will tell you to focus on a niche. Focusing on a niche is a great way to be really concentrated on who you're trying to engage and, and what you want to engage them on. And further, it helps get your offerings tightly aligned to your target audience's needs, wants, or problems. But the problem is sometimes with your marketing content, only focusing on your niche severely limits you because you find it hard to be relevant outside of when people are specially engaged around what you offer. Let's take a real estate agent as an example. Again, just to give you an example from outside the pharmacy industry. When you want to sell your home, you will be highly engaged with all of the information and processes around selling your home. And you'll pick up the phone or answer that email really quickly when the agent wants to speak to you. But once the sale is done and you've bought a new home, crickets, nothing. You don't care about a great house that just got listed or whether there are people in your area wanting to buy. Why? Because on average, it'll be about another 15 years before you sell your house and buy another one. So why would you want to talk to a real estate agent? Real estate agents, however, want to keep their brand awareness up. So when it does come time for you to sell, you'll contact them. Well, this is a stark example and it's not a pharmacy example. A lot of businesses struggle to find ways to stay relevant and top of mind outside of that purchase cycle. So outside of those, that cycle when somebody comes into the store and engages with you and then walks away, struggling with engaging with them when they're not in the pharmacy. The best way to achieve this is to think outside your niche. For example, what other things are your target audience interested in around what you offer? So following that real estate example, it would be all about how to make your home the best it can be. Entertainment, gardening, cooking, lifestyle, pets, styling, etc. Another example 
would be a bike shop who would be thinking around topics such as bike holidays or exercise nutrition, recovery, injury management, new ride routes, training plans, maintenance, advocacy, etc. And if you're listening and you're paying attention there, you'll notice that there's a couple of things that bike shops and real estate agents start to cross over into the pharmacy industry. So with real estate agents, I said things like cooking and lifestyle. They're things that you touch on. And with the bike store, I was talking about training and nutrition and recovery and injury management. They're all things you touch on as well as a pharmacist. So think outside your niche and create content around related topics and you'll stay more relevant to your audience, engage with them longer, and you'll keep your brand top of mind for when they do need something from a pharmacy. Number 10, don't forget the post-purchase evaluation stage. You can actively influence people to think that they made the right purchase. No matter what you sell, your customers go through six steps when buying from you. It's just the speed and the level of engagement that varies by product or service and the industry. It's known as the buy decision process, and it consists of six steps, as I said. Number one, awareness. Number two, research. Three, evaluation. Four, decision five purchase and six post-purchase evaluation. Now, the last step is super important. It's where the customer evaluates whether what they bought was a good decision. The thing is, it isn't something that should happen in isolation of you, the pharmacy. You can actually have a massive impact on helping to ensure that their evaluation of that purchase is a positive one. And we all know how that can lead to great word of mouth, testimonials and online reviews. I want to share a story that highlights this point. One day, I was sitting on the lounge watching some afternoon football and having a coffee, and my wife walks in and she says, I've had enough of our rubbish vacuum cleaner. It doesn't work properly. I'm off to get a new one. And I said, hang on, hang on. I'll go and get it because I know that she would probably just buy the most expensive one. Fine, she said, but it has to be a Dyson. What? Why? I asked. I've always just wanted a Dyson, and my mum's always had a Dyson, she replied. Um, okay. I said, but Dyson it is, I suppose. And she said, yes, it is. Don't come home without a Dyson. And when I returned home, my wife is, is massively happy because the Dyson worked awesome, but we were horrified with how dirty our carpets had been. At this point, step six, the post-purchase evaluation, we were deciding, and we have decided that the purchase was pretty good. It was great. In fact, because the vacuum cleaner works so much better than the old one. So I jump online like I do and I fill out the warranty card so we're covered and we get on with our life with our nice new clean carpets. And about two or three months later, I get an email from Dyson with a subject line. It's time to clean your filter. I think, hmm, okay. Now I open it and it says I should clean the vacuum filter every three months or so. And if I wanted to know how to do it properly, just click on the link and, and you can watch this handy video. Hey, babe, I yell, did you even clean the filter on the old vacuum? The what? She yells back. The filter. Did you ever clean the filter on the old vacuum? I reply. Nope, she says. And I say, me neither. I didn't even know we were supposed to. I never even thought about it. It's not something that's front of mind for me. So right there in that moment, Dyson solidified my positive post-purchase evaluation and created a brand loyal customer for life. Why? Because they actually took the time to create content, seemingly boring content, how to clean a filter on a vacuum but it was actually really valuable to me and helps me get the most out of my purchase. They could have just let us use a vacuum cleaner for years until it stopped working, just like the old non-Dyson we had, and then we'd probably have bought another Dyson, but they realized the importance of the post-purchase evaluation step 
and actively influencing it. They don't leave it to chance. And as a pharmacist, you shouldn't be leaving that post-purchase evaluation and checking in on people only when they come into the store. Think about what you can be doing to help your patients make the most of the product or service that they've bought from you. You can actively influence their post-purchase decision and build loyalty and repeat business. Number 11, podcast. Now, I was reluctant to include this piece of advice because it's it's a little bit out there at the moment. It's an emerging space, but I thought, what the heck, why not? Maybe some savvy pharmacists can, can make a real good go of this idea. And while you are listening to this podcast, and you probably listen to other podcasts, overall in the in the community, podcast consumption is growing year on year. It's just getting more and more popular, and people are listening to more and more podcasts. That's why I think you should start a podcast. No, not a long-form podcast like this one. Well, maybe you should if you think that's a good idea and you've got some great topics and you think it's sustainable, but that's not what my piece of advice is around. You see, Google has recently started listing individual podcast episodes in the organic search results. And the organic search results are the ones that aren't paid for. So the things that you do on your website and the content that you create help you get found or placed on the first page of Google. They're organic, almost natural. So you'll have paid ads at the top of the page, usually three or four, and then some location listings with the map and the Google reviews like we spoke about before. But sometimes that map isn't there and podcast episodes will be there instead, especially if the search that somebody's made isn't actually a location-based one. So Pharmacy Parramatta or Pharmacy Canberra versus where can I get a flu shot or do I need a flu shot? Or they'll appear under the map. The podcast episodes as search results will appear under the map. Now, you might be thinking, so, well, what do people often type into Google? They type in questions. Do I need a flu shot? So if you had a podcast that has very short episodes, say just one to two minutes that answered those questions that your patients are typing in, then you've got a great opportunity to engage with a potential patient because that short episode will be your voice as a pharmacist, that trusted professional, and your personality will come through. So think about how that connects and engages a potential patient versus them just reading an article on a website. Plus, how many of us ask Siri or Hey Google for an answer to something and we just get there? Here are some articles I found out about ABC on the internet. That's pretty useless if I'm driving my car or riding my bike. There's lots of opportunity here, especially because Google provides geo-localized search results. So if you're, if you're in Sydney, you can be answering the same questions as a pharmacist in Perth and those search results aren't going to compete with each other. So there you have it. There are a few tips to help you with your marketing. As I said at the beginning of the show, you can check out my website, contentgrasshopper.com.au. However, if you're a Guild member, you can tap into a plethora of resources and tools on the Guild website. Simply check out the Guild social media hub because on this content hub, you will find a collection of regularly updated resources developed to assist you, the members, to use social media effectively and build a strong, engaged social media following. Monthly content plans, how-to guides, articles to share, and lots more. So simply go to guild.org.au forward slash resources, forward slash leverage hyphen brand, forward slash social hyphen media hyphen hub. Another great option is to contact Guild Digital. Guild Digital is the leader in helping pharmacies engage with their local customers 
using a complete pharmacy website that delivers all within your budget. If you're looking at building a website for your pharmacy and you don't know where to start, get in contact with Guild Digital today at guilddigital.com.au. Until next time, I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 40 of the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.